preach to me. God bless you. Take your liberty today. God's good to us, isn't he? Amen. Are you excited about being in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. What a wonderful time we have had the past couple of days. I have appreciated the good presence of the Lord that we have felt. I believe that God has us on his mind. I really believe that. And uh, if you think the days of miracles are past, uh, you need to reconsider what the scripture says. If you believe God's going to ignore his people, you need to reconsider what the scripture saith. If you think that God has forgotten about you and where you are, what you're going through and what your needs are, you need to read it one more time. God has us on his mind. He really, really does. And I, I believe that we are, we are come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I don't believe that it is an accident that you and I are here together at this time. Amen. I believe that it is divine design that brings us together, places us on the platform of this hour that we're living in, an hour in which we see our country in great need of a word from God. Hey, we need a word from God. We really, really do. I'm happy to see all of you in the house of the Lord this morning. Guess God bless you. Amen. We're excited you're here this morning. Amen. We want you to feel welcome. Amen. We really do. Amen. If it wasn't for you, we could just turn the lights out and go home. Amen. But we're glad you're here. Amen. We really are. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you again to Brother and Sister Riggin and this fine church for all of your hospitality. I, I don't take for granted any of the kind gestures that you extend while we are here. And uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, I, I want to be a blessing in return. Love Brother and Sister Riggin. Have known them for many, many years. And uh, appreciate our, uh, our conversations uh, regarding the word of the Lord. I love to pick Brother Riggins' brain. And uh, what about this? In fact, we got in the, we hadn't even left airport property. And I said, let's fuss us about something. What about this scripture? What about this? What about it? And uh, he, he's always good for a fuss. Amen. And I appreciate it. But iron sharpeneth iron. Iron sharpeneth iron. And uh, since I have been here, I've, I've heard what he said. And I, well, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. Amen. And I feel better for it. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You've been standing a while. Amen. Acts chapter number one and verse number one. And uh, I, I, I'm sorry that he is sick. And, uh, but uh, my wife, she let me know. She said, well, let me first tell this. The other day she was sick and uh, she was not feeling well. And uh, she came and she looked at me and she said, honey, the only thing worse than being sick is you being sick. <laughs> and she told me last night, look, if you are sick, you go get your hotel room and get better before you come home. <laughs> Amen. But I, I, I feel good. I don't feel the least bit ill. And uh, I believe God's going to help us and 
glad he's feeling better. Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one, verse number one. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Aren't you glad you've got the Holy Ghost today? Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you got the Holy Ghost today? Amen. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, aren't you glad it's still available to you? Amen. Praise God. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. He is coming back. Why stand ye gazing into heaven? He's coming back. Amen. I'm glad he's coming back. Amen. I'm glad he's coming back. Amen. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's just love him. Let's just take a moment here today and let's love the Lord. Jesus, God, you have been good to us. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. God, praise God, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. If you're gonna, if you're gonna help me preach this morning, you could be seated. If you're not, just stand up so I'll know who you are. Amen. Praise God. Everybody that's asleep, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. <laughs> Last weekend, 
my 10-year-old son, he just turned 10, and uh, he knows more about cars than I probably ever will. And he talked me into taking him to a car auction. <laughs> and uh, so I went and uh, I, I looked it up where it was and he wanted to go and he knew I was going to be gone this week and I tried to spend as much time with him as I can. And so he talked me into this. And uh, we went down to the car auction and I don't even know how much money the kid has, but uh, he was hyped up about this. And uh, it cost me, I figured it out, it cost me $40 to get in the door, and he got in for free. And uh, the kid knows what he's doing. <laughs> but when we were walking in, uh, the people in front of us, I recognized their picture from the news. They were celebrities. And I went, what are we getting into? I mean, th these, these were, were very well internationally known celebrities. And uh, I, I checked in and paid my money and he smiled and got in free. And uh, I heard as we were checking into this auction, I heard the bidding. And, and, and the auctioneer was bidding, bidding, bidding. And uh, I, I wasn't paying real close attention. And, and then it, it caught me. The word was not hundreds it wasn't give me 10 give me 20 it was millions and I went whoa wait a minute son what are we getting into and I listened as we were walking through the doors and the bidding it was on a 1964 Ferrari and it went for 2.7 million dollars I thought, son, we out of our league. We might as well go back to Circle K and get a soda and go home because that's all we can afford today. But we started looking around, and this is a very, very well-known auction, Gooding and & Company, and they host this every year in the city of Scottsdale near where we live. And they auction off some of the most rare uh, automobiles that are known to man. And uh, my son and I spent several hours there, and uh, we, we did see another 1962 Ferrari. We stood there while people were bidding on it. These are celebrities from all over the world. And uh, we watched it bid to $3.7 million. And I'm scratching my head, and I'm thinking, what fools? But they didn't act like fools. They were excited. They, they were jumping up, holding up their number, bidding, 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 and, and uh, $2.7 uh, Can we go 2.8? And boy, they bid back and forth and back and forth. And they were so excited about bidding on these old automobiles. In the lineup that day was a 1964 Shelby Cobra. You may have read about this. Fox News ran an article the week before it sold. It was a what is termed a barn find. This vehicle sat in somebody's barn, unbeknownst to collectors all over the world. And somebody happened to open the doors of the barn and looked in and behold, a 1964 Shelby Cobra, all original, never been wrecked, never been restored. And they pulled that Shelby Cobra out and put it on display they did not even wash it it still had dust on it it was filthy the tires looked dilapidated but it was all original 
And it sold in that condition. I'm telling they didn't even clean the windshield. I don't even know if it ran. I don't even know if the battery was even in it. And they, they pushed it out on the stage and car fanatics from the world over began to bid on this old dilapidated Shelby Cobra. And it sold for 997000 dollars and I said they're nuts they're nuts you could go to the Ford dealership and buy 10 of the nicest thing that Ford makes for what they paid for that old dilapidated car but I got to watching these people and as they're bidding back and forth, uh, a 1960s Alfa Romero, uh, the ugliest car I think I've ever seen. The only car uglier was the AMC Gremlin. Uh, Gremlin. Uh, it, it, it was ugly. It was unrestored. The paint was falling off the car. It was rusted. And it bid for a half a million dollars. And again, I said, they're nuts. But anyway, they didn't feel like they were crazy. They saw something I didn't see. And money was not the object because they could have gone and bought the newest, the best, with zero miles on it, extended warranties, all the buttons and all the gadgets. They could have bought that for far less than they paid for that old dilapidated car that had to be completely restored. You don't restore cars because it is an economical decision. That is not the reason that you do it. I, I enjoy motorcycles and a few years ago I bought a 1997 KDX 220R and uh, it, 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 was, it was a nice motorcycle but I thought, you know what, I'm going to restore this thing. And uh, I did a complete off-the-frame restoration. Every single bolt came off, and uh, new parts were put on, and the frame was powder-coated, and I spent a lot of time and energy and money putting this thing back together. And when I got done with it, I sat there looking at it in my shop, and I considered I could never sell this for what I got in it. It wasn't about how much money went into it. It was about a word called passion. They don't restore cars because it's cheap. They don't restore a car because it's a better decision than going and buying a new one. They do this because it is their passion. It may be completely falling apart, but to a collector, it's his passion. I'll put 20,000 just into the frame. I'll spend hundreds of thousands putting this car back together because it's about a passion. Amen. It's about a passion today. I read the scripture to us from Acts chapter number one. And the Bible says of Jesus that he gave commandments through the Holy Ghost unto his apostles to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion. After his passion. 
passion. What was it talking about there? He was referring to the cross. He was referring to the pain. He was referring to the shame that the master and savior endured so that you and I could be saved. And the writer said it was his passion. I think back to Genesis chapter number three where the fallen Adam and Eve is is recorded and I think about how much easier it would have been to just start over right there at that point. But he didn't start over. He let humanity continue on for generation after generation after generation and we were all sinners because we traced it all the way back to the sin of Adam and I thought it would have been easier to start over from that point. Get rid of Adam and Eve and make a new one and start all over but it was about his passion. He didn't look at the expense. He didn't look at the shame of humanity that continued on for generations. This was about passion. It was about him being the lamb slain from the very foundation of the world. I feel like he spoke to me and said, I didn't start over because this was my plan of restoration. This is what it's all about. I want you to hear this from Ezra chapter number nine, verse number eight. Read, please. And now for a little space, grace. Now for a little space. Grace hath been showed from the Lord our God. God gave us grace for this little space here. Read. To leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place. Stop right there. Did you hear what he said? You understand the history. Jerusalem has been plundered. It has been bulldozed to the ground. There's nothing left. Except a nail. God doesn't need a whole lot to start his restoration project. I could take you back to the Chronicles and I could show you how many pounds or, or the, the weight, shekels weight of nails went into that temple that Solomon built. And by the time we get to Ezra chapter number nine, there's nothing left except a nail. Whew. What can he do with a nail? Hallelujah. Oh, what can he do with a nail this morning? Amen. Have you got a nail in your life? Maybe that's all that's left in your marriage. You're just holding by a thread. But all he needs is a nail. And he can start rebuilding. And he can start putting it back together. Woo! <laughs> Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Amen. He doesn't need much. All he needs is a nail. A nail. All he needs is just, just one little place that I can hang some scripture on. That's all I need. 
Maybe you think, oh, I've gone too far. I've messed up too many times. There's no hope for me. If you got a nail left, that's all the master needs. That's all that he needs is just a nail. I began going through the scriptures today. And last night, I couldn't sleep last night. I tossed and turned all night. But I was thinking about the work of restoration that the Lord can do. I read in Mark chapter number three, he entered into the synagogue and there was a man that had a withered hand. Amen, let me tell you, he's always looking for things that need to be restored. He's looking for problems, amen, where he can intervene and fix them. Amen, he's looking for buildings that have been torn down. Amen, and there's just a nail left so he can show up and show out and show the world what he can do. Amen, there's this man, he's got a withered hand and they watched him whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which had the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they held their peace. And when he looked around about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, stretch forth thy hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. I'm preaching to us today that God is into restoring things. You may look at him and say there's no hope there, but hold on a minute. Cost is not the object here. It's about passion. You may say it's going to take too long and it's going to take too much money to rehabilitate them and make something out of them, but Jesus looks at him and says, this is my passion. This is about passion. This is why I lived and this is why I died, to restore them. Well, I hope somebody would hear me today. I feel in the Holy Ghost, there's somebody sitting in this house this morning saying, I've gone too far. There's no hope. I've done too much damage. I've come to give you a word this morning. This is about his passion. Come on, would you just love him a moment here? Come on, this is about his passion. This is what he loves to do. He loves to find that which nobody else wanted and restore them. He went by the lame man. Fifth chapter of John. He went by the lame man and he had to stop. Woo. Nobody would help that lame man, but Jesus stopped and said, Woo, this is my passion. Uh, come on, come down into the water. He said, I don't have anybody to help me. Jesus said, let me tell you, my passion is you don't even need anybody to help you today. Take up your bed. Today's the day I'm restoring you. He found blind Bartimaeus when everybody was telling him, keep your mouth shut. He meant Jesus heard that and said, I'm the restorer. I'm the one that's into restoration. This is my passion. This is my passion. Others were saying, come on, there's people that got more money here. There's people that you can impress. And Jesus said, this is about my passion. There was a woman with the issue of blood. Everybody was touching him. But this little woman, all she could do was touch the hem of his garment. He stopped everything because this was about his passion. 
there was Jairus' daughter who was dead. But Jesus said, this is my passion. I hope you're getting a picture today. This is not about the cost. This is not about the trouble. This is about his passion. The disciples couldn't understand. What do you mean you're going to die? You're the Messiah. What do you mean you're going to be lifted up on a cross? What do you mean you're going to lay in the grave? What, what do you mean by that? And Jesus is trying to tell them, for this cause was I born. This is why I came into the world. This is about my passion. Boy, I hope somebody will hear me today. I, I really do. I, I feel like God's got somebody on his mind this morning. Everybody's saying there's no hope for you. And the Lord's saying, this is my whole purpose. My whole purpose was to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus, you got 99 in the fold. No, this is about my passion. I'm worried about the one. I'm going to tell you, this message may not be for everybody this morning. In fact, God may have stirred me up just to preach to one this morning. But I want to let you know, amen, it's about his passion. You may say, well, what a waste of time just to preach to one. Oh, no, this is about passion. This isn't about expense. It's not about cost. It's not about the workload. It's about the passion. It's about the passion. He's come to seek and save this morning that which was lost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me just for a moment this morning? I really feel like God's talking to somebody today. Lift your voice with me this morning. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray that the will of God would be done in this house this morning. Let's pray that mercy would be extended to that soul. He came to this house today just for you. Be seated for a few moments. Let me go through a few more scriptures because it gets worse. It gets worse. Amen. There's another blind man. He's born blind, John chapter number nine. And Jesus stopped by him. This was his passion. And then we have the scriptural account of the woman at the well, John chapter number four, a woman with a tainted reputation that she couldn't even come to the well at the normal time. She was so reprehensible in her behavior that she had to come alone. But Jesus positioned himself right there by the well, knowing that she was on her way, knowing her past, knowing her 
the history nor the failures but he sent the disciples away and he stayed right there because this is my passion Jesus aren't you hungry aren't you wanting to come and get lunch with us he said I have meat to eat that you know not of I've got a passion here and he ministered to the woman that had the tainted reputation and then they brought to him the woman caught in adultery in the very act and they thought he was going to pick up stones and stone her but Jesus said hold on a minute this is my passion I've come to restore I've come to make them whole again and then he stepped off the boat in the region of Gadara and there met him a man full of the devil, a legion and he ministered to him and set him in his right mind do you understand today it's not about the amount of problems, it's about the amount of his passion I don't care how bad you've been this is about passion it's about passion. Amen. Luke chapter 19, he goes through Jericho. He finds Zacchaeus. He's climbed up in a tree. Amen. And Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he comes down. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he is gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Amen. But Zacchaeus stood and he said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. All of a sudden when Jesus got into this man's life, there was a work of restoration that began to be done. He began to repent, amen, of his shady dealings. He began to repent of the things that he took, amen, because when Jesus comes in to your life. There is restoration that happens. And Jesus said unto him, this day salvation is come to this house for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. He's also a son. He's a sinner. Yes, he is. But he's also a son of Abraham. And he said, for the son of man is come to seek and save that which was lost. Boy, we get this attitude sometimes that they're a sinner. What are you messing with them for? They haven't lived like we've lived. Why are you bothering with them? This is his whole purpose. This was his whole passion to seek and save that which was lost. The most quoted, yet most misunderstood scripture. For God so loved the world. John three sixteen. most quoted, most misunderstood. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The scripture said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
I want to tell you this morning, I'm not making an excuse or an allowance for sin this morning. This is not the purpose of the message. The purpose of the message is, it doesn't matter how far you have fallen. His passion is restoration. He's not willing that any should perish. Maybe you got a withered hand this morning. Maybe you got trouble at home this morning. Maybe you got sickness in your body this morning. Let me tell you, he doesn't view you as tainted goods. He views you as a project of restoration. And the bidding's going on. Amen. Let me tell you, the devil's in it saying, let me, let, I'll, I'll take it for this amount. And Jesus keeps running the bid higher and higher and higher. Every time the devil bids for your soul, Jesus steps in and he bids a little bit more. Let me tell you, we've not been redeemed by corruptible things, but the price that Jesus is willing to pay, amen, is his precious blood that he shed. Devil, you can't outbid that. Devil, you can run it up as high as you want to, but this is about passion, and you can't outbid the precious blood. Boy, I'm fired up this morning. I'm trying to reach for somebody. The devil's bidding for your soul, but I've come to let you know that Jesus keeps running it higher and higher and higher. Devil, you're not gonna outbid me this morning. I'm gonna get them no matter what. Stand with me, I'm coming to a close. I've got a whole lot more that I could preach this morning. I've got a whole lot more I could preach. But I, I feel like God would like to start taking care of somebody this morning. I feel like God would like to start restoring you this morning. <laughs> Come on, he's paying the price this morning. My Lord, have mercy. God's dealing with somebody's heart this morning. I could come down off of this platform and tap you on the shoulder this morning and let you know, sir or ma'am, I won't embarrass you, but there's a bidding war going on this morning for your soul. And the devil's saying, look how cheap it is. They didn't, they didn't even bother to clean up. They, they, they brought it here to the auction block. They didn't even clean up. It ain't worth nothing. And Jesus said, I'll bid a little higher. <laughs> it's not worth anything. It, it, it's of no value. It's, it, it needs to be totally restored. Jesus said a million point five. No, it, it ain't worth that. Million point six. Million point seven. There's a bidding war going on, and I'm telling you, if you'll let him, Jesus will win the bid this morning. Jesus will take you home today. Jesus will start a work of restoration if you'll let him. Look at where David was. He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. But in his prayer of repentance in Psalm 51, he said, restore unto me. 
you might think, well, it can never be the same after this. It can never be the same as it was in the beginning. Oh, remember what David said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Sister Reagan, if you don't mind, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody today, but I'm telling you, this is tugging on my heart. You need to let God this morning. You need to let God. You may feel dingy, dirty, filthy, shameful, but you make one trip to the altar. You make one trip to the altar and let Jesus start. You let Jesus start working. Boy, I want every eye closed as they begin to play and sing. God's dealing with somebody today and the devil's saying, you're so cheap. You're so cheap. You're so filthy. Nobody wants you. But I want you to hear the other side of the auditorium as the Lord is bidding higher and higher and higher saying, I want them. I don't care about the cost. I don't care if I have to go to the cross. I don't care if they drive the nails in my hands. I don't care. I don't care. I want them. I want them. In Isaiah the 53rd chapter, he said, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. We are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus said, it's my passion. I'll pay the price. I don't care what it costs. I'll pay the ultimate sacrifice because I want to restore him. As they play and sing, am I talking to somebody today? You would step out of that pew and say, God, I've got the picture today. You really do love me. You haven't given up on me. You haven't thrown me aside to let the devil have me. But you bid it higher and higher and higher because this is your passion. Come on, would you come? Would the church step out? I don't want to embarrass anybody. Church, step out with me so nobody feels on the spot. But I'm telling you, God's reaching for somebody in this house. God's trying to restore you. Come to an altar of repentance where you can cry and say, God, make me new again. Come on. Come on, let God help you. This is his passion. This is his passion. Restore. Come on, you don't have to be shameful today. The Lord bid the highest price. He wants you. There's nothing to be ashamed of. He wants to restore. Still, you saw not what I was. You saw 
done here this morning. Stand and sing this with us. He reached his hand to where I was. He took a chance on on me. Come on, let God help us this morning. All he had to hope for was just a possibility. Still he 
Scripture records in Luke chapter number seven. Jesus goes to the house of a Pharisee and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. When the Pharisee that which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Luke 8 tells us who it was and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities Mary called Magdalene out of whom he cast out seven devils he's not interested in me oh I tell you today he's willing to bid till he's the winner but, but, but I'm, I'm too bad. I've gone too far. I've done too much. No, no, no. You don't understand. You don't understand because he went on to say to the Pharisee, he said, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor that had two debtors. He owed, the, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Mary Magdalene had problems. She had problems. I would venture to say she had more problems than you had this morning. But when you find her next, it's at the foot of the cross. And you find her going to the tomb. Where is he? Come on, let God, let God, come on, let God this morning. Let God restore. Let God restore. In the book of Joel, he said, I will restore the years that the locust hath eaten. He can restore it. You just have to understand this is his passion. But he, he doesn't love me that much. I'm, no, this is his passion. This is his passion. It's his passion. It's his passion. And I'm closing. 
I watched at that auction. I watched a 2008 Dodge Challenger SRT8. It had 2,400 miles on it. It was not an expensive car. Maybe 50,000. Not expensive compared to what we were watching being sold. Maybe 50,000. And I watched as they bid back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It went to 70,000. Somebody finally bid a hundred thousand. And before it was all said and done, $360,000. The Lord's willing to bid whatever it takes to get you this morning. It's his passion. It's his passion. It's his passion. The interesting thing about that particular vehicle